Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. This week's Shabbat message is from 1 Peter chapter 2 by me. Uh, feel free to head over to our website to uh, check out what we got going on there, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will find archived Shabbat messages as well as blog posts by my dad. You can subscribe for those in the subscribe box. Also, you can subscribe to our uh, messages on whatever your podcast provider of choice is, Apple Podcasts and the like. And on our website, you can also subscribe to our uh, social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zeal. Okay, Shabbat Shalom. We're going to be in 1 Peter today. So head on to the back of the book. First Peter chapter 2, three weeks ago. We went through 1 Peter chapter uh, 1. So we're going to continue on Peter, as it's a really good book, obviously very applicable. Yeah, the last one was on the 13th of, uh, what are we in, May? April. So it was April 13th. I have a little bit of a backlog to get up on the website of uh, messages. <coughs> so eventually you'll be able to find it up there. <laughs> uh, but not now. <laughs> um, but a quick recap on Chapter 1. Um, you know, he talks about us being elect according to the full knowledge of God, sanctified through the Spirit, born again, and uh, kept through faith, um, heaviness through manifold temptations, trials of our faith, the end of our faith is salvation of our souls, Spirit of Messiah and the prophets, taking action, judgment, loving one another, being born again. So. Um, you know, reread it at some point. But kind of carrying on in chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. So we'll read it and then we'll, um, and then we'll go through it here. So First Peter chapter 2. Actually, we'll pray and then we'll read it. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day and the Shabbat and this time to be in your word and learn from it. Pray that you would just uh, use it in our hearts and our lives to build us into what we need to be for you uh, and to live in this life. Uh, according to your word, navigate the many trials and temptations and issues and uh, confusion and things that arise. And I uh, thank you that we do have your spirit residing within us to be able to navigate the dark waters of this world. So 
just teach us today. And you shoe his name, I pray. Amen. All right. First Peter chapter two. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so ye being tested, or if so ye have tested, if so be have tasted that Jehovah is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua Messiah. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, and unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul." having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that, may by, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praises of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with, that, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of malice, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy, if a man... If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if, when ye being buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Messiah also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, but uh, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed, ye were healed, for ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So, good stuff, especially like when it's, you know, you read it in, uh, you read it in conjunction with um, chapter one. 
you know, and I don't know how about you guys, like sometimes, you know, when I read, I get a little bogged down in the weeds and like I only end up going like a half a verse at a time and I look up that word eight ways from Sunday and which is oftentimes really good and you get a lot out of that, but sometimes it's good to just kind of uh, uh, settle your mind a little bit, at least mine anyway. Maybe your guys isn't schizophrenic like mine is, but chill out for a little bit and just stop thinking and just read through a whole book or a whole chapter and get the flow, get the feel, and get the broader message and intent behind it. It's really powerful. I think oftentimes we, the Bible's been so dissected eight ways from Sunday and treated like a, a, a guinea pig in a lab. You know, oftentimes you, you miss the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest because it gets... So many people come at it, my, uh, all of us included, with an agenda to some degree, with a um, uh, bias and a presupposition. So I don't, I don't know where I'm going with all that, but read the whole thing sometime. <laughs> okay, so we'll kind of get into chapter two here a little bit. So, verse 1, chapter 2, wherefore, so kind of, he said all he said, and now, because of that, and here you are at this point, people, you know, everything that God has done for you, I mean, go back, I don't know, when I get it up again, go back and listen to the last message of this, or reread chapter 1, it's just so good, all flesh is grass and the glory of men and flowers, but, but, you know, the word of the Lord endureth forever, so that's what he leaves us with, and then he's going to, he's going to tie us into in a couple of verses, the word of God and how, you know, it's our very sustenance. Um, you know, if you follow that theme and that thought through the word of God, um, you'll see how it's all everything. Okay, so chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes... <laughs> uh, <laughs> As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So he's talking to all these strangers in chapter 1, verse 1, who are all over the place. You know, they're living in the exile. They're, and, 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 and it's interesting to me that he brings these things up because, as my wife might, may attest to, I mean, thankfully I have an amazing disposition and very little riles me ever. You know, I don't get upset very often. It takes a lot. <clears throat> If you're listening to this, I'm being sarcastic. And so, I don't know. I read these things and I just, malice and guile, hypocrisy, envies, evil speaking. It's just like, I mean, that just about frames my life, you know? So, so and I think that's why, and he knows that. Peter knows that. I think Peter understands that. Peter, Peter was in the, in the depths where we've all been. You know, he's gone through all the hard stuff. He's forsaken Yeshua. He's saved his own skin. He's, you know, been brought low and then brought back up again. And so he, can, he knows the feeling. He knows the position. And he knows what you go through. We all go through. And so does Yeshua. And so he says all these things. I, you know, kind of like, I know this is what you're feeling. Because you're in the exile. Life is a cuss show. And you just have to 
get, you know, work on through it. And what's going to sustain you? What is, you know, in this life as a child of God, right? Because he talks about us, this in, in, um, in chapter one, being born again. So if you're born again, you're, you're a baby. And so you got to grow. And life is this growing process. And then so he tells us, you know, that which is going to nourish and sustain you in chapter, or chapter 2, verse 1, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk, milk of the word that you may, you may grow thereby. Well, one of the first things I thought was like, you know, if you're this all born again baby, right, in God, and you're this new creation, new creature, uh, why does he have to tell us to desire the word, right? He's going to tell us to desire the word. So I got thinking about this, and it's like, and I know in my own life, and I know in other people's life, it's not always your natural inclination to carve out that time in your life to read your Bible and to desire the Word of God. And so it's kind of like, um, and so then I was thinking about babies. Yes, it is your natural inclination. Once you were this new creature, you're a little baby, your instinct, that which is born into you, is to desire your mother's milk and us to desire the Word of God. But some babies are better eaters than others. And you kind of got to force feed them. And it was like, you know, we know that with our own kids. It's like some, you, you know, they'd eat 24-7 if they could. And others, it was like, come on, kid, you know, you got to actually eat something. <clears throat> and so I think God knows that. He knows that. And so, but either way, we're told you need to desire the pure milk of the word of God. And that's going to help you to grow. Uh, otherwise, you'll be malnourished. You'll be... Um, you'll be more susceptible to the influence of foreign contaminants and viruses and things, you know, false teachings, things that will come in and wreak havoc in your life. And so we need to be fed and nourished and protected by the Word of God. So, uh, so we need to desire this new Word and grow. And then he goes into four. So, so we're this new creation. We're this new babe. We need the word so that we can grow. We can be built into something. But built into what? So he's going to tell us here. Four. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. So he's talking about Yeshua. Um, and we also, verse five, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua Messiah. Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, because I hold in Zion a chief quarterstone, elect and precious. And he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which, are, which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed the same indeed was the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Right? So they stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So this, this idea here I want to highlight quickly that there is a standard in the universe, and it's the Word of God. Otherwise, you can't call anything disobedient. That right and wrong is not subjective. Otherwise, if, you know, there's three people, and two of them say, we want to do this, and the other one disagrees, well then, who's to say anything of what's right or wrong? It's just willy-nilly subjective. That's why, you know atheism, uh, this idea that, you know, or, or moral relativism that is so prevalent in our, in our um, humanistic culture that we live in nowadays, godless society, is so wrong because they hold the heart and mind of man as the pinnacle 
decision maker of what is right and wrong. And uh, they believe we've evolved over time to be able to come to all these conclusions and figure out what's right and wrong. Well, no, God, the Bible tells us the heart of man is desperately wicked and black with sin. So the only thing that is this measuring stick is the word of God. Otherwise, how are you going to say something's right or wrong, disobedient or obedient? And so when we're born again, we are used by God to what? To build his spiritual house a place for him to dwell with on earth. Because that was the whole point. He wanted to, you got to keep in mind, God's whole original plan was the garden. Man, living in the garden, eating fruit, walking with God, communicating, kumbaya. It was all peaches, cream, pixie dust, and rainbows. Well, then the fall happened and death entered in, which is Hebraically, that's a separation. So there was a divide between God. And so for him to dwell with his people, he had to build a sanctuary, a clean place in which he could dwell in and amongst his people so he didn't just by nature burn them all up. That's why he initially had to have Moses set up his tent outside the camp because, and he said, I can't dwell with them. And Moses beseeched him and said, God, you know, how are we going to make it through the wilderness if you're not with us? And so he gave them the instructions for the tabernacle, which is a picture of what's in heaven and what God has always done for his people since the beginning. That's why Yeshua is the lamb slain from the beginning of the world. We get hung up very easily on time, but God is outside of time. And so he looks to his own sacrifice for his people, beginning or frontwards and backwards, if that makes any sense. And so we are lively stones are built as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Yeshua Messiah. So we are the ones which form this holy building, this holy tabernacle that he dwells within. And we play all the parts of it, offering up these spiritual sacrifices, which are our good works. Six, wherefore it's also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on them shall not be confounded. We know this is Yeshua. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the bedrock from which it all gets built. If you don't know what a cornerstone is, when they would build stone buildings, and even today, you set that stone and you level that stone perfectly because if it's off just a little bit, the whole building is going to be a mess. Amen. But when, when it's set perfectly and it's cut perfectly, which Yeshua is, you can build a perfect building on top of that. And so we as stones are being honed and refined and uh, uh, shaped to, be, to build this house, the house of God. And when I find it really interesting, I've talked about this multiple times, but when Solomon built the temple, all the stones were cut off site. And then they were brought to the temple mount and they were assembled, but they were not actually, nothing was shaped uh, uh, at the Temple Mount. They were all pre-cut. So I find it very interesting that, you know, Peter talking to us in the exile, all spread all over, we're strangers, we're being shaped and honed and nourished and transformed so that in the redemption when we're all brought together, it'll fit. Because uh, right now, it would look, look like some kid playing with, like, rocks, you know. <laughs> just, you might as well just dump them in a pile. <laughs> ah. there's your encouragement for the day <laughs> I hope you feel better <laughs> uh. mm. oh gosh okay uh, 
but that's why that's why we need to be transformed by his word and that's why we are all supposed to be like Yeshua who is perfect and he is doing a work in us but the final perfection won't come until there's a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies because we still are living in a fallen world and fallen bodies and yes our spirits are are born again and we have a new nature within us um, and I believe it does affect us obviously physically but it's not going to culminate physically until God redeems us but so we we press on why so we can be an example to the world <clears throat> uh, where are we here? seven unto you therefore which believe he's precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made head of the corner. So to them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. So those who are in religious authority, we'll just say broadly. You can, there's a lot more to it than that. But, um, you know, they don't like Yeshua for who Yeshua really is. Because if you take any of the major religious sects, and we all do it in our own little way, they, they want to form Yeshua in their own image image of what they want it to be to be able to fit what they're going to build on top of him right uh for principles and instruction in their building um but if you take Yeshua for who and what he is uh it'll build something it might build something very different than what you're trying to build and so he then becomes in his natural state and true to the word of what he is this lock that you stumble over and it's offensive because it's not what you want and so those who are disobedient, those who do not follow according to his word, will stumble over him. And so to those who are following the word, that are in the way, that are you know, trusting him, he is that foundation that we stand upon and give us the stability in our lives. But if, 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 you're, if not, if you're disobedient, if you don't like the word, if you want to manipulate it, then he's just one big stumbling block and you got to you got to dress him up all kinds of differently. There's a meme going around the internet right now. I mean, you may have seen it. And, um, it's, you know, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, Jesus never did this, that, or another thing. And he this, that, and that. And it just completely rips out of context everything of who and what he is. While being technically correct. You see, that's the killer. Uh, it shapes him into something that he never really was. You know, that's why it's so important to keep the Bible in context, you know, historically, you know, who and what the people of God were. This is all over the place today. Okay, so, eight, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were appointed. That's uncomfortable. Not really going to get into that, but yeah, you can wrestle with it. Nine, but ye are a chosen generation. So there's, there's intent here. God knows all things. He's in control of all things. So if he can appoint some to offense, then he also chooses some as a chosen generation. If you don't like that, too bad. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, so they're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood and a holy nation set apart. They're, they're set apart. Royal because he's chosen them. 
a peculiar people. And this doesn't mean weird or, you know, you stick out or, well, that's peculiar. Hmm. Uh-huh. Scratch my beard. Peculiar means one's personal possession. So it's something that you take for yourself. <coughs> my coffee cup is peculiar to me because it's mine, not because it's weird. It's, there's a million of them probably sold on the market but it is peculiar to me because it is my coffee cup. So God's people are peculiar to him because they are his people and he owns and possesses them. Why? That you should show forth the praise of him that hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, we were called to show forth the praise of him that hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <laughs> I sure don't feel like I live that out at all. <laughs> but I think he's, he's telling us that because why? Because in verse 1, we're supposed to be laying aside malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. And as we consume his word, we're transformed and we're shaped more into the stone such as he is. That way, when we are, when we are looked upon as this building that is built upon him, it's a marvelous, beautiful architectural feat that speaks forth the intention behind what the whole building was put there for. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like picture some Notre Dame burned down, unfortunately. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, you know. Uh, but when you look at that, right, it, it speaks forth something. The intention of those who did it, you know, what's it for? You know, there's a certain glory and majesty to it. You know, that's what, <laughs> that was what we're supposed to be when people look upon the people of God, those who are living according to his word, you know. But it's, but you got to be fed. You got to be consuming the word. So he's building his temple out of his people. All right, keep going here. So we were supposed to be, uh, priests, the mission and a job. And so now we are a people. So, 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had obtained mercy, but now, I'm sorry, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's hearkening back to the book of Hosea. I'm not going to go get into that too thickly because it, it deals with a lot of, um, uh, with a lot. <laughs> But it's good. In other words, you know, God's people, because of their sin, were separated from him. And, and he said, you know, you're, you're not a people. But because if they turn back, they would be called his people. And so are us who join unto them, who join to God's people uh, that, that were strangers and aliens, but now have been br- brought into his family and his people. So which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now I think he's talking to them as you are now the people of God, but you're still strangers and pilgrims. I think why? Because we're still living in the exile. I think we're still, um, we're still wandering in this desert experience, so to speak. You know, um, I think it was Abraham said, you know, he's a, I'm a stranger and a wanderer. And then uh, when they were to bring their offerings up to the temple, they were supposed to say, my, my father was a wandering Armenian. You know, I thought he was the first Jew. Hmm. <laughs> All right. 
So, so we've obtained mercy and um, we're strangers and pilgrims. What are we supposed to do as we soldier on in the exile? Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So this is a battle. This is a war. These fleshly lusts, that's what is endemic to our, our natural state. We're supposed to fight against that. And it, and it is. It's a, daily, it's a daily battle. It's a daily war. And it's seeking to attack you when you're down and when you're feeling weak. And that's when we have to triumph the most, you know, not make excuses as to, oh, well, you know, whatever. Twelve, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So be honest, do what's right. That way they can't, they don't have anything to hold against you. 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be king, as supreme, governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evil doers, or for the praise of them that do well, and for the praise of them. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So do what's right. Be above reproach. You know, that's where the, God of, uh, the word of God leads us as we are refined and honed and... Uh, you know, we are obedient, not disobedient. Twelve, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, religious um, organizations, people, whatever you want to call it, that use their position of, of power and of uh, prowism to, to do horrible things. And we are supposed to be as the people of God, as his servants, um, servants of God, doing what is right. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So we're supposed to have honor and respect for all men. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Servants, be subject to masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also the froward. So... Even in the good and the bad times, you know, I've had my share. <laughs> We're supposed to be subject to the authorities above us that God has placed in our lives. That doesn't mean we roll over to every, you know, tyrannical situation. But it does mean that, you know, we're supposed to have these baseline character traits that exemplify, you know, the word of God. That way you have um, credibility in your life and you will be trustworthy and people will have respect for you uh, in what you do and when you make decisions and, and if you have to make tough decisions in different situations, you know, you've got some moral credit behind you. <clears throat> for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it? If, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if, when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Messiah also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. So, you know, the moral of the story being here, you're going to suffer. 
sometimes wrongfully, sometimes because of your own faults. But we need to have the right attitude as we go through these trials because Yeshua went through a whole bunch of things unjustly and soldiered on through it and, and, and kept his character, I don't know how else to put it, you know, in his, his um, uh, moral solidness or stability that, you know, they couldn't, they had nothing against him, nothing on him. And we're to be the same, you know, even if we get uh, chastised for, for good or for wrong. That we should follow in his steps. 22, he who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. Which by stripes we are ye were healed. Uh, there's a bunch of quotes there from Isaiah 53. 25, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So all of us were sheep going astray, all the people of the world being sheep, and, and uh, those who know the shepherd, obey his voice, react to his voice, and follow his words, and walk in his ways and the paths that he leads them, and he leads them to pasture, which are, feed them, and he protects them, and uh, watches over them and puts them in the pen at night and they pass under his rod and he, you know, uh, disciplines them. All these things, you know, but those who are not in his fold are, are, are subject to the wolves on the outside. There's no protection for them. And so we are his sheep as being born into his family. We are being built and honed and shaped and so we're to lay down all the malice and hypocrisy and guile and things that beset us. We're to be a building built up to show forth his praise. And then we're also to be those who conduct the order within that building so that it reflects God in the world. <clears throat> and then we're supposed to soldier on and war against our own flesh as we live in the exile because it's not easy. And remember that Yeshua is our example and our shepherd, and we follow him. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Peter chapter 2, and the truth that are in it, and the words that you gave us through him, that we can um, learn from it, to be able to, I don't know, have more strength and stamina to continue on in this life, and in your word, oh, that we would just continue to do what's right. I do pray, though, that you would come quickly, God. Redeem us out of the exile, that you would um, build your holy sanctuary among us again, and that we would uh, serve you there with gladness. And I uh, just thank you for the Shabbat and all these little things that you do for us on a daily basis. May we just be an example in the world. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey. Mighty warriors arise, yeah.